Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to That Gabby Rosen Podcast part of the Acast Creator Network. My guest this week is the very funny comedian and TV presenter, Tom Allen. Goodness me, he makes me laugh so much. We chat about his school years and how he felt different while he was at school. Also, we talk about his gorgeous friendship with fellow comedian Rob Beckett. The two of them get along so well. He also talks about how he started out as a comedian in a very blokey environment and that his favourite thing is laughing when you're really not supposed to. Now, we recorded this chat just a month before, very sadly, he lost his father. He speaks so beautifully and so lovingly about him. I do hope you enjoy this episode. Please, can I ask you a favour? Would you mind following and subscribing, please? By clicking the follow or subscribe button. This is completely and utterly free, by the way. And you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iPhone or iPad. Simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes. I know there have been quite a few now. And you'll see the stars where you can tap and rate and also please write a review. Thank you so much. Hello, gorgeous Tom. Hi, Gabby. This is so oh. fun. I'm so sorry to keep you waiting. Oh, I went no. to start my laptop and it was like, no, stop trying to charge your phone. It's too... I've had this laptop for like six years. I need to update it, don't I? That's the Do problem. you know what I did? Mine just kept oh. saying, what are you doing trying to turn me on? So I sort oh. of... Th- I, I talked to it nicely. I felt guilty. But then I got a new one and then I hid the old one so it couldn't see that I got a new one. It's so important. You don't want to hurt their feelings. No, you really um, don't. If I have to run out... In the moment, it's only because there are the the storm clouds are rising in a distant sky, and um, I've just put I put my um, my sheets on, and my mum says it's a great day for drying, which is true because it's sunny. But um, I am concerned about thunderclouds. Just saying. Okay, just if saying. it thunders, you run. Just you know, I'll just be out there for a moment. We won't let it. We won't let it ruin our day. But I just thought, you know, I've just put it on. I love them in the sun. Oh, In the sun. Do you know what? The simple pleasures are the best. It is the simple pleasures. I don't know what these billionaires spend their money on. Maybe they just have like loads and loads of sheets. <laughs> the other great exciting thing that's been happening to me today is um, I've had to have the drains flushed out uh, in my new home. Very glamorous life I lead. Oh, my word. What do you mean flushed? Well, the kitchen sink was um, leaking from the drainage hole. And so I spoke to my 
brother, who's a tiler, who spoke to his friend, who's a plumber. And then he came around and he said, I think you need to speak to my friend, who's a drainage man. And so they came through and um, they've kind of blasted it to get, and it's full of stones. Oh, I'm pleased it was just stones. Well, exactly right. Exactly. But I did feel kind of exposed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my dad had his drain. My dad's in his 80s and we had, he had his drains oh, yeah. doing as well. And he said exactly oh. the same thing. He said it felt very personal. Very personal. And people walking past. Oh, I don't like it at all. <laughs> Um, but... Well, it was only stones. You see, this is what happens when you move into your own home. My life is falling apart. <laughs> it's just the sort of thing, isn't it? It's modern life. I mean, whatever it's next. Only, it's only you because everything sounds like a euphemism. I know. You know, even if the whole drain collapses, I'll be able to get a solid 10 minutes out of it on stage. <laughs> um, I love that you, when you talk about your dad and when you do your dad's accent, it sounds like you're, you're one of your best friends, Rob Beckett. It does. Every <laughs> time you do your dad's accent, accent in your book. So I was, no shame. Congratulations. Oh, I love oh. your book. It Gabby, made me thank cry. thank you so much for reading it. it oh. made me cry. And laugh. But you, when you do your dad, it's Rob Beckett. Oh my goodness, do you think I should have, maybe I should have just got him in for the audiobook just to play the part of my dad. They do have sort of similar South London accents, really. South East London, an ac accent that, it's a very specific London accent, I think, that involves using all of the vowel sounds for just one vowel. Um, so if you're doing, like, if something is alive, it's not just alive, it's alive. <laughs> Clever. So talk to me, t tell me, uh, give me a, your dad's expression so everyone knows I'm not going completely mad. So what happened, how, how did he greet the drain people? So do your dad for well, me, as it were. So he was like, oh, well, I wasn't actually here when he greeted the drain people, but he said oh. when he greeted, I was here when he greeted Dan the plumber. And he said, all right, Dan, how are you doing? Yeah, all right, mate, come in. Yeah, 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 it's all right. Well, if you don't mind taking your shoes off, yeah, that'd be nice. I never asked people to take their shoes off. My dad asked people to take their shoes off in my house. Um, he said, all right, Dan, yeah, come down, come and, come and have a look. Yeah, I don't know what. And dad's got his, like, whole spiel going, like, oh, do you want a drink, mate? Do you want a drink? Um, it's Rob. And it starts it's offering Rob. them drinks and biscuits from my private <laughs> biscuit collection. <laughs> What using do you the have mugs, in your... which are not the allocated workman mugs. What do you have in your, your biscuit collection then? In the biscuit collection, I've got a selection of oat biscuits, which I got from a Swedish furniture shop, which I won't name, but you get, <laughs> you get them by the till. And I enjoy those. I also enjoy a, a chocolate... Nothing makes me more excited than a chocolate ginger. And this is a dark chocolate ginger um, biscuit. So it's like a ginger biscuit covered in dark chocolate. I've been enjoying that very much. And... Um, and I say that because I've recently run out of macaroons. They say it comes but, in threes. Do you know what? If I if somebody said to me, Tom Allen is a biscuit, what biscuit would he be? I think I would have gone dark chocolate and ginger. I'm quite chuffed with myself. Oh, thank you for saying that. I <laughs> like, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's lovely that you, you knew. Other people would have said, I don't know. A custard cream, a jammy dodger. No, no, no. They all no, sound like no. euphemisms, though, in my voice, don't they? They all sound like I'm being rude, and I'm not. I know you're not. You're um, actually a real gentleman. That's how I would describe you. I, I was such a, a, a pleasure. Fox's Crunch. I've met, <laughs> I've met you. You're just a gentleman. And I was saying to the producer of this podcast just before, I said, he's... He's one of the sweetest, loveliest gentlemen. And when we, I came on Apprentice, you're fired. You were just generous and kind and you've got that oh. twinkle. You've got that thing, that twinkle in your eye that Rob has. And I know you two were at school <laughs> together. But you've got twinkle. <laughs> Lee Mack has that twinkle. Uh, Romesh has the twinkle. Rob Brydon oh. has the twinkle. Not many people oh, have really? the twinkle. 
Oh, what what do you think? What did, just that we know there's something there's some there's something to be made fun of in the in the near distance. Do you think it's that that we're just sort of itching to make a joke about something? Perhaps were you always like that? Uh, yeah, kind of. I've always sort of seen comedy and and make, making fun of things as a means of communicating. Really, do you know what I mean? Because you yeah. go, it's a great way to relate to someone. If you go, oh do you see the world like this? And they go, yeah. And you laugh together because you go, yeah, I feel like that sometimes. I see people like that or I see things like that. Um, and that's not, that's a lovely thing. I think that's, when I was at school, I think I was quite nervous in lots of ways, not in other ways, but in some ways. And um, if I could make people laugh, then I knew that we'd be okay. Like we'd all be, we'd be all right together as friends. So, and, and I think I do that, but my mum has always sort of passed on her sense of humour to me. And, um, and it's a, uh, yeah, that's kind of along those lines as well. We've always kind of like used comedy to sort of uh, talk about things, really. In your book, you say about how you were always very chatty as a child and you deliberately oh, yeah. got lost in in Waitrose. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me, because you wanted to chat to people. So my ambition has always been to be best friends with the middle-aged women working on the customer service desk in Waitrose. It's just my, <laughs> it's just my, my happy place. <laughs> so as a child as a child when chatting to people was it you probably had no judgment or no 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 opinions about these people you just wanted to talk you just wanted to hear their stories I imagine yeah I think so yeah I just loved I've always loved sort of listening in on people's conversations it's not a very endearing thing to say is it no I do, I do it I do it yeah I've loved it Everybody since does, I was a child yeah. I'm there yeah oh really Gabby are you yeah. the same Exactly. There's something yeah. about adults telling stories and they're so wrapped up in the drama of whatever the moment is of the minutiae of that, that time, uh, that moment in time. Uh, it's just joyful, isn't it? When you just hear people muttering about somebody you don't even know and how they've taken the day off again, because they're always taking a day off. Um, or they're, you, you know, somebody moaning about their husband's cousin who always comes around at the wrong moment and just I just like it I just like all that sort of petty drama really I like it. it's the stuff it's the kind of glue that holds life together really so did you always know then that you were going to end up doing what you're doing now because you're obviously you're an actor you're a presenter you're a, a comedian you're a panelist you're a tv host that must have been there always in the back of your mind and you were a national youth theatre so a performer. I suppose I'm going to use that word. I'm going to use that word over all of the others, the sure. overarching word performer. Was that something you always had in mind then? I think so. I don't know why, but I always sort of thought, oh, but if you're on the stage, everything's okay. Look at those people on the stage. They seem like they're having a great time. Uh, I want to be part of that. And I remember a man, I think it was a police officer came into the school and said, who is your hero? This police officer. And um, and everybody went round and they went, oh, my mum or oh, the, poli- the, the police or oh, the nurse or the doctor I went to see. And, you know, all of these people. And then they came to me and I said, they said, who's your hero? And I said, Bruce Forsyth. Mm-hmm. And um, it was unusual. You know, we were like nine. But I just loved the idea of someone like Bruce Forsyth, who was just mm-hmm. like tap dancing sometimes, singing a song the next, hosting a game show. Ho- you know what I mean? Telling stories, yes, having really. fun with people. I just thought what a wonderful... What a wonderful light. What a wonderful person. Like, just extraordinary. Like, telling stories about people, telling jokes. It didn't matter if no one laughed, if everybody made fun of them. What a great space. What a great life. And I loved, I was upset when we did a nativity play at nursery school, I remember, because we went on the stage, but it wasn't a shiny stage, like a shiny floor in a studio. (laughs) (laughs) It was just wooden. 
planks. I thought, this isn't a, this isn't a stage at all. Um, <laughs> I love that. So you, when you were younger, and you've always said that you feel that you, you were even as a child, you were 46. Does yes. that mean you always just felt that you were a grown-up inside a young person's body screaming to get out? Basically, yeah. And I was always kind of like mystified as why I had to do these things I didn't want to do. I clearly didn't want to go to school. Um, it was like it, there'd been some sort of um, terrible mix-up in the cosmos and um, or like in a sort of quantum leap fashion. And I'd been sort of blasted through time and space and suddenly there I was and having to go to do PE and stuff. And I thought, why am I doing this? And I remember all the other boys being like really into PE, jumping up and down on the benches in the changing rooms and hanging off the coat pegs. Um, I remember our teacher coming in and going, if you do not behave yourselves, you boys will not be doing PE. And I thought, well, well, carry on, carry on, (laughs) hanging off the coat pegs in that case. Do you still, do you feel that you've, we're not 46 yet, but do you feel that you've caught up or do you still feel that you're not quite old enough as how you think yourself being? Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Um, uh, I think I have a bit more, yeah. Like now I've got a garden, I feel like that's kind of in line with where I always saw myself. Um, and, um, I think, yeah, now I'm sort of in, in my thirties. I've loved being in my thirties because you do have, it's that cliche, your twenties, I think you you feel like you should know everything. You don't know anything. In your thirties, you sort of start to care a bit less. And people say the older you get, the, the more that in, increases. So I love that. I love that aspiration of kind of, you know, getting older and, and just being more content is a lovely thought, isn't it? I don't, um, I, 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 in my twenties, I was just a bit of an emotional wreck, I think a lot of the time. Was that because you were just starting out and, and putting yourself out there at 22, winning the awards that you did at 22 and winning the, the newcomer? And, and there's suddenly a lot's expected and you're just learning about yourself in your early... I mean, you're 22, it's so young. It was young, really. I mean, people do it now when they're like four or something, I think, don't they start doing stand-up? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But um, th- at that point, it felt it felt like a stupid thing to do, but sort of fun because it was so silly, such a sort of outrageous thing in my mind and, and my friends and family's mind because when I started stand-up was still very blokey like I won the BBC New Comedy Award and that was a lovely feeling of sort of validation that oh maybe I'm all right at this but then I realized that I had to kind of go back to the drawing board and start all over again because I didn't know anything and I had to I, I was scared of doing these clubs other comedians I started with were like yeah I do this club and I did that and I did a, an open spot there and and they've booked me for a paid spot and, and I was just terrified of them because these clubs were full of a lot of the comedians were blokes middle-aged straight white blokes um who were very blokey in their way and would kind of go out there with the audience and talk about I mean I'm being unfair of course they wouldn't all be like this but there was a you know it did kind of make the audience kind of a certain kind of uh, machismo, have a certain sort of machismo mm. about it. And audiences were drunk and quite leery and they wanted someone who was strong and bold and knew they were and were going to present the world in a way that the audience could understand it. Whereas I would sort of mince out and start talking about my mum's hostestrally um, out of nowhere without sort of explaining anything about myself. And these audience, these kind of stag parties in Plymouth were like, what's this? No, thank you very much. Um, and we're very like, no, it wasn't. Because... I le- it took me years to realise that you have to kind of introduce yourself to audiences and go, you know, I, w- I would talk about, I would talk about working as a dessert waiter when I was sixteen in a golf club, which is quite a specific niche area, um, <laughs> without even talking about the fact that that's kind of contextualised in a world of like, oh, I was a closeted gay teenager in the nineties who had this posh voice, even though his family had, they were just sort of normal working class people, but 
my dad was a coach driver and you know what I mean like kind of without explaining that this these audiences were like what's this no what oh <laughs> so how did you turn it around um I just decided that I would send it back to them a bit it took me years to do this but I just started to become a bit more like well you're gonna look down on me well maybe I'll try looking down on you and see how you like it and so I did and I'd kind of go up there and I sort of make fun of their butchness and actually you know I'd walk out and go I know what happens when I walk out on stage you all fold your arms you all go oh this bloke oh he wants to he wants to seduce me he wants to recruit me and I would always say oh the truth of the matter is we are actually recruiting at the moment so if you sign up I get a 25 pound voucher (laughs) Uh, in John Lewis at the end. Um, so, um, so you know, like, and I turn, and they kind of, people sort of like that a bit more because you, A, own the insecurity or the, the kind of difficulty and you, um, and, and sort of making fun of, there's a very British thing, if you make fun of people's um, behaviour, they kind of like you for it. I just was thinking about you saying about insecurity and then thinking about one of your oldest friends, lovely Rob Beckett, um, yes. and, and other comedians and Josh and... And and Ramesh and actually Michael, all of those people, that they all talk about insecurity, and it's amazing that your you guys and and Rob has talked very openly about his insecurities and his shyness and everything, and yeah, but yet you put yourself out there. If of the idea of I, I'm also a very shy person, the idea of doing stand up makes me. I'd want to be just rushed to the loo. I just can't <laughs> do it. It terrifies me because you instantly you're judged. If somebody doesn't laugh, you think, "Oh, I've done it wrong." Well, you just, it's a journey, I think, with the self to um, learn to forgive yourself if it doesn't go perfectly. Because otherwise, you you never do anything. For years, I was like, "I'm rubbish. Everybody else can do it. I can't do it. Everybody else is better than me. Why can't I do it?" But I knew I had to keep going at it. And then you realise everybody has bad gigs, especially when you're starting out, and everybody has to learn. And you have times where people, you know, don't get you, um, and they don't know who you are, and they don't like you uh, because they don't know you. Um, and so you have to battle through that. But I think that's been one of the positive journeys that that learning about being a stand-up has, has taught me is that. It's it's taught me that actually you've got to forgive yourself and you've got to be calm with yourself and you've got to go, hey, it doesn't matter. And weirdly, even though it matters so much to you, you've got to make it not matter. And there's a weird paradox with that. I think with a lot of things, you can't you can't hold a butterfly, you know? That sounds very poetic, doesn't it? Gosh. It's absolutely perfect. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know, when talking to you, and I know other people have said this as well, you are incredibly like Kenneth Williams, that you, you have that... <laughs> You know, you're an actor as well. I mean, you've been Tamara Drew and Start of a Ten, and and you're a presenter. We'll, we'll get on to all the presenting and all the TV shows in a moment, but and a comedian, and you have this beautiful voice, but you have this sort of depth of knowledge for a for a relatively young man. And I feel I know other people have compared you to Kenneth Williams. I hope you take that as a compliment, and I don't oh, mean him yeah. personally because we all know about the, the strangenesses of his life. You know, we do know those things now. But it's the, I'm talking about the genius of him. I really am. Well, I'm the, very the, the two sides of him. So you do remind me of him. I always loved him as a small child, and I don't know why. Um, but I just was obsessed with him when I was like four or five years old. I love this idea. I suppose I felt like I related to this idea of feeling like a grown up. He always kind of had this sense of like commanding, uh, trying to command status and then it always being undermined and it always being, you know, he would be as snooty as he liked, but the world would always pull him down. And he was so great at telling stories and, and being an outsider. And I think because he always obviously felt different and sounded different and I had this voice, you know, like I'd had the situation with a voice that sounded so different to everybody around him and people were mean to him because of that and sort of felt like he wasn't, he made he was made to feel like he wasn't one of them. So I liked that, I related to that. I just always thought he was the most funny person when I was growing up and um, when I was very small, you know, related to it. And I think there's a slight sort of that snootiness actually as a kid is quite it's it's quite fun because you live in a world where everybody's like, that's very good. You're wonderful. Oh, good. Very excellent picture. That's brilliant. He was kind of always like, no, I don't, I don't like that. I don't, you know, like, oh, that's rubbish. Absolute <laughs> disgrace. Um, and, um, and, and I, I think that's kind of, that's amusing. And I think as a kid, you quite, you quite enjoy that because it's playful as well. You never felt that he was, I, whenever, whenever I watch an interview with him or anything, he always feels like he's quite, genuine and quite vulnerable and and I, I think as growing up I've realized as well what an amazing person he was he's often dismissed as being a kind of caricature I think and and people undermine him but when you think about it there aren't many people who could be as subversive as he was especially when he was doing things like uh, around the horn in the 60s it, that was that was massive that's such a brave thing to do and before that when he was in the army to stand out and go I am different and mm. I am I, I, you know, and I, I think he struggled a lot with, with his, well, I know he struggled a lot with his sexuality and, and, and I think it was the idea of coming out, I think was, you, you know, very, it was very difficult for him, um, for lots of reasons, but, but the fact that he stood there and went, I am somebody different and I see the world in a different way and I sound different and I, and I inhabit it and I love it, uh, is very is is very powerful, I think, as a political message, actually, and I don't suppose he would have acknowledged it as such because I don't think he wanted to be like that. And you know, you know, and at times he was very much out of kilter with how we would think now with things and stuff. But there was there's something about him, particularly in terms of being a a, a storyteller, that I think is 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 very inspiring. There are so many similarities of all the things that you've just said with your life. Can you just mentioned about being teased about your accent? Were you teased about your accent then? Yeah, as soon as I could talk, I always had this posh voice. And my parents would be like, oh, we don't know where we got him from. Yeah, I think he's a cuckoo. Oh. And then all like their friends would be like, why do you talk like that, though? Why do you talk like Your mum and dad talk like this, and you, you don't talk like that. You've got sort of sort of <laughs> posh voice. Why is that? And I'd be like, I'm four. I don't know. 
But you you know, the thing is, like, the world loves to do this. Go like, why? Why are you different? Why? Why do you think that? Why do you feel that? Why do you see the world like that? Why do you talk like that? And tries to sort of contain you a bit, especially when you're young. Yes, Um, yes. And and so, yeah, I always had this kind of, this this sense of it. And then when I went to primary school, I always felt really different to the other kids. And I didn't know why. And I always sounded different. But I just couldn't relate to them because I felt like I was 46 years old and I had nothing in common with them. It's funny, but people are so judgmental. I, I mean, I, I grew up desperately shy and always saying I want to be a TV presenter. And people go, why? What? Why? And it was just, you sort of, oh, yeah. People like to sort of beat people down if they want to be different, if they want to, you know, dreams. You knew, you know, you talked about Bruce Forsyth and, <clears throat> Bruce Forsyth and Kenneth Williams. And it's, you just, it's as if your path was there. It's out of everybody I've ever spoken to, you and I think Robbie Williams seem to your path from a very young age seem to have gone exactly how it was supposed to. Oh, that's a nice. Well, I like being compared to Robbie Williams. That's nice. I, I don't know. I just, but like you say about wanting to be a TV presenter and and feeling shy. That's wonderful. What a wonderful TV presenter to be because people, all the shy people at home, can relate to that person, and that's great. That's the sort of. But I think it's it's sort of beyond what we present on the surface a lot of the time. It's actually this force inside us that's going no push for it go for it do that mm-hmm. thing do that you know and whether that's you know you think you'll never ride a bike and you learn to ride a bike or you want to learn french and everybody around you says why do you want to learn french for uh you just want to do it you can't yeah. fight it you just have to do it don't you with your tv career now uh, so many people obviously know you as a panelist on on so many things um and uh, apprentice you're fired which is when we first met and then Um, cooking with the stars and bake-off all of these things does it all feel slightly magical there's a good word does it feel magical uh yes it does actually and I think because when I left school when I was 18 I didn't go to university I did my A-levels and everybody around me was going to university and I thought no I don't want to go there I just want to I've got this urge to do this sort of career in entertainment I don't exactly know what it is but I'm going to just try it um, and I'm just going to go for it. Um, and it, that's 20 years ago I left school. So I suppose now to be doing those things that I always dreamed one day I might get to do does feel absolutely uh, surreal and, and like a dream that I'll wake up from any moment. So it does. And I think there's often a, I, of, I often go, no, well, it'll, it'll all end tomorrow. So just don't, just don't enjoy it because it'll all go. Do you I just really? Sort of on the way. Yeah, of course. I think, I think a lot of people think, think that, don't they? have kind of, you know imposter syndrome and all that um even even though it's sort of a contradiction that i was like i've got to do this career i want to do it i i know i can do it um and then doing it and then going no it's all gonna end like it's Mm -hmm. (laughs) like never be happy he's never happy um but um but i suppose yeah there is a i guess an insecurity and i think but but at the same time i do feel very grateful and and very thrilled i have to i the cliche of wanting to pinch myself um but when i get to meet wonderful people and and people i grew up watching and loving and 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 uh and get to you know in, just be sort of work with them and 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 stuff is 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 such a thrill you know doing extra slice with joe brand is mesmerizing i love her she's just the kindest person and yeah. talks to me like and i kind of can't quite believe it you know it's bizarre isn't it she's one, well you're one of the good ones as well, well so is there obviously i'm going to now be uh let, let's pick on on rob and josh because i adore them but i especially any any excuse to, to talk about lovely rob but is there competition between you guys? Oh, that's good. Um, with Rob and I, or yeah. gen- or just well, or, or any comedian. Well, 
No, let's let's pick on you and Rob because you were at school together and you're still great friends. And but is there a competition between you two that you've both ended up doing the same thing? Um, you would think there should be a competition, but um, in truth, um, no, there isn't. Like yes. actually, there's um, he's always mainly because of his generosity. He's so because basically we went to the same school. He's two years maybe two or three years younger than me, uh, two years below me at school, yeah. And um, and so I did know him a bit at school, but I didn't, it's only through doing stand-up that we've become close. And um, he's honestly so kind. Um, and so he's always there. You know, if ever you're worried about something, he's the one you should phone. And he's the one who encourages me and goes, and he's, he's got a great attitude towards life, um, which is like, yes, you can, just do it. No, just book it. No, just buy it. Just go there. No, have a go. You'll be all right. And actually, it's a great way to be because I think I, for whatever reason, grew up going like <laughs> overthinking and going, oh, no, I can't do that. And what would it mean if I could do it? And what, what would it? And he's just like, no, just get on with it. Just do it. You'll be fine. Oh, it'll be great. Well, you've got to remember you're this, you're that. And just kind of really such a generous man. Um, and he does, you know, he, he speaks a lot about things like mental health. He's been a very... Uh, positive force in 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 speaking about that particularly particularly amongst men actually he's very open about talking about that and um he's a very very good person and um he really believes in in supporting people and and he's always you, you know like believes in hard work as well so he's yeah he's an amazing friend to me and and so yeah we've been friends for a long time we've known each other a long time but we've been really good friends i suppose the last sort of eight eight years or so very special person he is very special we were going to do we were on a show together and i suddenly i just didn't want to do it It was a quiz show and i called him up and he literally while i was walking and i said no rob i'm not going to come and do it and he went, yeah exactly i can't do his. you can do his voice so brilliantly and he yeah. did that <laughs> and i remember after putting the phone down thinking what a incredibly kind man but he says lovely lovely things about you he really really does and and so the feeling's mutual. And I love that there's no competition. I had to ask it, but I'm so pleased that there isn't. No, that's but I think as well, because we're very different, you know, there's not really a, we're, we're very different in our, in our ways. I'd love to see you, you joining Rob and Romesh. I think they should have a Rob and Romesh versus you. Because <laughs> versus it me. Would, oh, it would just be fabulous. We did our one night in Hamleys, actually. That was a lot of fun. Um, Your one night in Hamleys? Yes. Yeah, have a look. Oh, yeah, that was on Channel Four. I was a, on Christmas Eve. We did one night in Hamlet. It was very, uh, very silly. But they're very, they're very like it's quite blokey those two. So I yes. felt like I felt like I was really? eleven again, and I'd been like invited to a sleepover birthday party by somebody who just sort of knew me. Or it's probably like friends. His mum was friends with my mum, and I didn't really get on with anybody else. Oh, they're a bit, no. you know, they play sports. They play sports, and they and everything's kind of quite sporty. Whereas I just wanted to like go to the Sylvanian families and recreate a tea party. <laughs> <laughs> you are just a joy, complete joy. So on this podcast, we always ask everybody what makes them properly belly laugh. So what you have, like I said, you do have that twinkle. There are a few people that have that twinkle. You have that twinkle. But what makes you belly laugh? Um, uh, not being allowed to laugh is the best, I think. <laughs> um, like, you know where, I mean, it's not always at a funeral, but you know, like yes. if you've been at a funeral, which is very yes. serious. You just want, like, or any kind of ceremony, even though I like high ceremony. I mean, really, you know, that sort of feeling of something, anything that's supposed to be taken seriously, <laughs> laughing during that is the, is, is my favorite, is the best laugh, I think, in the world. I do a show with, um, with Alan Carr and, um, uh, called There's Something About Movies. Yeah. I mean, that's where I get to meet heroes. Gosh, I mean, sitting next to Jennifer Saunders and Alan, so 
it's just such a genius. It's so funny. We did a spoof of Frost Nixon uh, in front of Michael Sheen. Um, it was sort of a competition to see who could do it best. And actually, Rob and Michael recreated it, first of all. And of course, Michael's very good at it because he did play um, he did play David Frost to great acclaim. And then Alan came in with this, like, <laughs> the worst wig I've ever seen. Um, looking like, he didn't look like David Frost. He looked like a sort of regional manager of a B-Jams. And then did this... <laughs> voice that was so <laughs> vaguely like David Frost and then not. And then I was trying to do President Nixon, but I couldn't do it. So I just was doing a sort of Southern bell, like I was Blanche Dubois. Um, <laughs> and um, it looked so, it's available online if you'd like to have a look. Um, yeah, I will and be. <laughs> it was, they were taking, and the crew, because we were second, the crew was like, come on, no, stop, hurry. No, come on, police have to get, you've got to get, you. we just need one take of this. Come on, we just need one take. And of course we couldn't, stop laughing the whole time you know and just you know it was just the best but if you ever have any experience like that it's just great isn't it and i always think that's the best that's the that's the best like way to treat the world go like oh you want me to treat everything so seriously well well, i'm gonna laugh and what are you gonna do about it eh? but that is the great so all of you guys that i've spoken to on the podcast and that lucky enough to know in real life that i think what you give and what we need more than ever especially these days, is you give us this gift of laughter and a lot of people struggle, ex- you know, find life very difficult. But laughter, what when it's released, oh, it's the best. It's the best thing. It really, it's sort of strange, isn't it? I've always loved laughing. That's the, that's the best thing, isn't it? Of just kind of that. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. That, that feeling of just, I, d- I don't know, just makes everything all right, really, doesn't it? And I think it is, you know, even in, in sort of tragic moments, it's the thing that that actually helps us. And sort of, you, I think because it reminds us of other people, the best way to laugh is to laugh with other people, isn't it? And to laugh with friends and loved ones is, is, is brilliant. Um, and I think once you do that, then you, you sort of go, oh, it's okay because somebody else is there going through life with me. Um, that's what I think anyway. I mean, maybe that's a pre- precocious way of looking at it or a pretentious way of looking at it. Not at all. Not at all. And that's the perfect way to end this because I do, I really think you're a joy. And I'm, I, you know, long may all the magical things keep coming for you because oh, okay. uh, you, you. You are a, you're, you're very precious and you're a rarity. And, um, oh. and may you forever be full of magic uh, yeah. Thank you very much. And um, oh, no, yes, this is perfect timing because I um, I can hear a rumble of thunder. Oh, my and, God, get um, your sheets quickly. And if, you know, even if I've just given them a, my mum would say, just give them a bit of a blow on the line. Just give them a bit <laughs> of a blow. And and um, I think if anything, I've I've done that with the sheets and then they can finish off on the radiator or something. So, Completely. You know, and in my head, perfectly. I was going into a carry-on movie with so many tattoos, <laughs> so maybe we shouldn't go there. Bless you, Tom Allen. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening. And coming up next week, we have broadcaster, journalist, jewellery designer and podcaster, Kate Thornton. That Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions and music by Beth Macari. Could you please tap the follow or subscribe button? And thank you so much for your amazing reviews. We honestly read every single one of them and they mean the world to us. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah.